Pastor Chris's podcast. Today I want to begin a new message series about the beautiful church. The church was established by Jesus to be Christ's physical presence on earth. Let that sink in for just a minute. We who follow Christ as Lord, you and I together, along with all faithful believers around the world, are the church, the physical presence of Jesus on the earth. That is an incredible thought. So many people in our world today would say, well, I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but not the church, not the church. Maybe they don't come to church because they think, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. But this should be a jaw-dropping revelation if you've not heard it before. That we are the physical presence of Christ on the earth, the church. What a tremendous honor and privilege it is. And also what a tremendous responsibility it is. The church is a beautiful and powerful thing. The church has gotten a bad reputation over the years. Many are disillusioned with the church. Part of this is the church's own fault. Because we have not always lived up to our high calling. However, the church has also been the victim of a scornful campaign to destroy her good name. The enemy of God is working hard to convince the world that the church is and always has been nothing but trouble that has held back progress and fomented tremendous evil in the world. But I hope that this series of messages will dispel the popular myth that our world would be better off without the church. I want to reveal the many blessings that Christ brought to our world through the church. Blessings that we take for granted that would not exist without the work of Christ's church over the centuries. If you are here in the sanctuary today, it's probably because you love the church. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, I love the church and I don't never really had negative thoughts about the church, although there might be some who have. But I want you to remember that this message is being broadcast all over the Internet. And it is available to many people to watch who may have never set foot in the church, never would set foot in the church, possibly because they were told the lie that the church And organized religion is a reason for so many of the evils in society. So I want to dispel those misconceptions about the church through this series. And I want to invite everyone everywhere to join with us in playing the beautiful song that Jesus wrote for us. And I hope to call every Christian who hears this to take our responsibility to represent Christ serious. Because it is so important. But if you're listening to this message today, I hope that you will keep an open mind. Follow along over the next few weeks and consider all of the tremendous good that the church has brought into the world. That only the church could accomplish in the world over the last 2,000 years. I hope to convince you that many of the blessings you cherish most in life and in our world today only exist because of Jesus the Christ and the work his church has done for two millennia. This series was inspired by a book that I read last year about the church, both its victories and its accomplishments and also some of its failures. The book was 
Bullies and Saints, written by John Dixon. If you like to read books and you're interested in history and religion, I commend that book to you, Bullies and Saints by John Dixon. In this book, Dixon used an illustration to show how Jesus wrote a beautiful song of love that has lasted uh, throughout the centuries and has had resonance with people from all over. Unfortunately, Jesus' followers have not always played his tune well. So we're going to do a little illustration today to explain that to you in a very vivid way. Now, David and I are both musicians. And so we, um, we're going to play a song for you today on the saxophone and the flute. Now, as I said, we're musicians, but I had never held a saxophone before this morning. Thankfully, um, Thankfully, I got a lesson. It took about five minutes. And so I'm going to try to play a song on the saxophone. And David is not, he's a musician as well, but he's not a flute player, from my understanding. He did play it some in the past, but um, not a flute player, right? No, over 30 years ago, I had a class where I played flute for maybe a week or two, just so I could show somebody else how to hold it. And that's been 30-something years, and I hadn't played it since last night, the there were a couple that uh, at the house, Jacob and Sarah, wanted to hear me try to play it. So I played it last night and then this morning, and that's the only time I played a flute in probably the last 30 plus years. But I mean, it's music. It's music, so we got this. We're musicians. Yeah. We should be able to do this. So we're going to try, play a song, and, and hopefully you'll be able to recognize the song and enjoy the, the beauty of this beautiful song. You want to count us off? I'm going to get you going, buddy. Right. All right. Here we go. All right. A little practice, and by next Sunday, y'all be sure to come back. <laughs> yeah, next time we're going to have a cello yeah. and a, uh, a bagpipe. Yeah, a bagpipe. So, um, I don't know if you could recognize the song or not. David was doing a pretty good job of picking it up. But, um, you know, don't judge the song by these two musicians that just tried to play it. Let's hear some people that really know what they're doing. I want to invite... Jacob Francis and Sarah Crawford to come up. They're both musicians at Jackson State University playing in the marching band there. And let's hear them play the same song that we just played. I'm so, I tried not to mess it up for you too bad. Okay, <laughs> 
great job. What a beautiful song in the garden. And what a beautifully well played, the way they played it was so much better. You know, uh, if you'd never heard a saxophone being played before, and uh, what I did was the very first time you'd heard it, you might think that that was an instrument of torture as opposed to a musical instrument. But when you hear someone uh, playing it and doing it right, you say, oh, what a beautiful thing. And the song you might have thought was a terrible, awful, ungodly song. And when I played it, but when you hear two beautiful musicians doing it, you say, oh, that is just so lovely. And this is a great example of what we find in the life of the church over the last 2,000 years. Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. He showed the world the incredible, unconditional love of God. He redeemed the world by dying on the cross and the power of God raised him from the grave. And when we surrender and we follow Jesus, he adds us to his church and he calls us to share his love and salvation with the whole world. It is the most beautiful song that has ever been written. But we are still fallible people. And you don't pick up an instrument and after a five-minute lesson, play it perfectly or even well on the first day. You have to practice and you have to get better and you have to get better and you have to also learn the tune because even if you know how to play the instrument, if you've never seen the song before, uh, you have a hard time just sight reading it and getting it right on the first try. Christians also have to practice and practice and practice and we have to learn the tune Christ gave us in order to play it well in order for people to recognize it as the beautiful song that it truly is. And there are bound to be sour notes along the way as we try our best. Furthermore, there are often people in the church who are wolves dressed up in sheep's clothing, who do not truly represent Christ at all, who are not even trying to play his tune. They're trying to commandeer the church and play their own selfish tune in order as a means to advance their own selfish agendas. And all of this is going on all at the same time. So we have to start by finding out what is it all about? What, it is, what is it really all about? We have to start by establishing the foundation of Christ's true church. We find that foundation in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19. I want to read that for you today. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdoms of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven." 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, this text shows the true foundation of the church, the beautiful rock of our faith. Our foundation is faith in Jesus as the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus was not just a prophet or a teacher or a good man who came to make some changes. Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God who came to save the world from sin. Our sin is thinking that we can live however we want, apart from God or with God or whatever we choose. Jesus has the power and the right to save us because he is the son of the living God. He is Lord of all. In order to truly be part of Christ's church, you must accept and build your life upon the understanding that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. If Jesus is the Messiah, the Lord, the Son of God, he has the right to your complete and total submission and allegiance. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. And in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, Jesus said, You cannot become my disciples without giving up everything you own. True followers of Jesus recognize that Jesus is absolute Lord of all. The truth is, we don't own anything in this life. It all belongs to God. All of your possessions, all of your talents, everything about you, your very soul belongs to God. It is a lie that we tell ourselves that we are somehow in ownership of these things or that we are independent or that we are free and we can do what we want. We are not. All that we have, all that we are, belong to God and are for his purposes. When we cling to our selfish desires and ambitions, we cannot play Jesus' beautiful tune the way it was meant to be played. We will play a sour note every time we cling to our own way. And it will be even more awful than the, than the horrendous notes I was playing on the saxophone. But we see these sour notes throughout history. Whenever people in the church used the name of Christ for their own selfish reasons. And so each time so-called Christians do this, it gives the devil and his supporters in the world another bullet to fire at Christ's true church. Look, the devil cries, look at all these Christians and how they act. Look how their religion destroys the world. Look how they say one thing and they do another thing. And then, of course, there is a world full of people who nod their head in scornful agreement. It, it is true that evil has sometimes been done in the name of Christ or in the name of the church over the centuries. People in church have not always loved Jesus or followed his way, truth, and life. Much evil and hurt results when the church and the people in it drift from Christ. But don't judge Jesus or his church by the worst actions of his broken people who are not doing what Jesus taught us to do. Rather, look and see the beautiful tune that Jesus wrote 
for his church and how it redeems our world when it is played correctly. So much good has come through Christ's church when we were faithful. And as Christians, it is essential that we stand faithfully upon the rock of Peter's statement that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And this must be more than just words that we say. It must be something that we believe and put into action with our hands and our feet. We can't hold this view only when it serves our purposes, when we want forgiveness or restoration, or when we are in desperate need of help or healing. If Jesus is Lord, he is Lord all of the time. He is Lord when no one is watching. He is Lord when we have nothing and when we have everything. He is Lord when we want to follow him because it feels good and it brings joy to our lives. He is also Lord when it doesn't feel good or when he tells us to take up a cross and to give up our lives for him. And when he says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, he is still Lord. And he is Lord when he says, forgive those who do you wrong and then forgive them again and again and again and again and again. This is what it means to be the church of Christ, the church Jesus calls us to be. It is what it means to be the physical presence of Christ in our world. What did Jesus do when he was physically present in the world? Look at his example. He died on a cross, not just for people who he liked and people who loved him and treated him well. He died even for his enemies. What do you think Jesus wants his church to do? We must die on a cross for his sake, trusting that he will lift us up in resurrection. When we stand faithfully upon the rock, we are an incredible blessing to the world. When we step off of the rock into the sands of selfishness and unfaithfulness, we become an evil tool in the hands of the devil that bring death and destruction upon the earth. And all the while, there will be people who point their accusing fingers and shout, the church and religion is the cause of all the world's problems. So I want to call you all to action. If you are a Christian who is hearing this, I want to implore you, stand firmly upon the rock of faith that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, that he is Lord, and what he commands us to do, we must do, and we must be glad for the privilege of doing it. These are not just words. This is a principle that changes your identity and everything about the way you live. It is an imperative. You must represent Christ well. If you are hearing this and you are not a Christian, or if you are one of those skeptical of the church, I call upon you to listen to these messages over the next few weeks. Listen with an open mind. Don't just accept the popular myth the world teaches that the church is only and always corrupt and holding the world back or causing harm. Nothing could be farther from the truth. And if you set aside your presumptions and look at the facts on the ground from the history of 2,000 years, you, I believe, will see 
And maybe you will even join us in doing the work of Christ with the church in the world. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, I thank you for coming into our broken world and showing us how to live a life of beautiful music where we love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength, where we love our neighbor as ourselves, not because of what they can do for us, but simply unconditionally. I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us as a church to learn this beautiful tune. Forgive us for the times that we have failed to play it or played it poorly. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will help us to play your song without any bad notes so that the whole world might see your love and see your lordship and might come to love you as you love them so that our world might forever be better. All for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.